Hello, friends. This is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for being here. In the last episode, episode 245, it was titled, Rick Answers Your Many and Eclectic Facebook Questions. I had a list of questions that people had written that had put on Facebook. And as I said in that episode, I don't, I'm not on Facebook until there's really not much a way for me to know what is out there or to even interact with the questions because I don't, I can't spend time out there because of the time that's involved and the mega responsibilities that I have with my own relationship with God, loving my wife, my children, our church just doing our life plus the work that I have, social media platforms aren't for me. And so we use them in a monologue fashion. We're just throwing content out there because we want to bless as many people as possible. And those platforms are a way to bless people. And many people have been blessed. It's been well reported as people have have said uh, over the years, uh, thank you for this and, and that. And we try to be very clear that if you actually do want to talk to us, uh, we will never turn anyone away. We'll talk to anybody that wants to talk to us, but we have one place to do that, which is our community forums. And we have to do that because otherwise we would be uh, we'd be all over the map and we would never get anything done if we were chasing all the rabbits because I can't even begin to communicate how many questions come to us on our social media platforms and other places, and we just can't spend our days doing that or or our ministry would shut down. And so I, I did go out there, and I pulled some questions, uh, which is something that I rarely do, and I listed them in episode 245, and I went through some of them, and well, I thought I'd get them all done, but that didn't happen, and so I'm going to do it in this podcast, so let's roll. This is episode 246. This one's titled, Rick Answers More of Your Facebook Questions, and so I want to roll through a few more, and hopefully I will get complete here. And again, if you want to talk to us for the 10 millionth time, we want to talk to you, and we do have a place for that. We have a free community forum on our website. It is brought to you by the faithful supporters of this ministry. In the last episode, Dan asked the question, uh, do you write Christian articles for a living? Kind of, kind of not. We don't make any money uh, through our resources, honestly, not, not with what this ministry costs. We don't make any money through it. And the way that we are supported is because people support us. They donate to this ministry. And so that's how it's, that's how it happens. And that's why I can say to you, you can come to our free community forums. They're provided uh, to you by the, the faithful supporters of, of this ministry. Uh, I'll just, you know, read through a list of them. There's Emily and Eric and Felicia and Heather and Iris and Joe and Joe, two Joes, John and John and Josh and Karen and Karen and Karen and Linda and Marcia, Maria, Mary, Michael, Mike, Mike, Nancy, 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 Neil, Philip, Rebecca, Richard, Richie, Roger, Stephen, Stephen, Talia, Terry, Trenton, Yvonne, and there's a list of them, and these are the people, this is just a, some of the people that help uh, support this ministry, and it, it allows us the opportunity to interact with you, and so we do want you to come and ask questions. All right, so Virginia says, please suggest uh, the best homeschool curriculum for teaching the Bible to ages 5 to 8, not a computer program, just the Bible, not other topics, many things. Well, I don't, I don't have any. 
suggestions. And so that's not that's not the answer that you wanted to hear. Uh, but I don't have any suggestions. One of the things that we've uh, helped our kids do when they were younger is to memorize the, the books of the Bible, and I, I would recommend that they they do that. And if you ask this question on our um, community forum, there would be some people that would make some just suggestions to you, Virginia. I, I don't have one. I'm not much of a curriculum kind of person. Uh, I also counsel that way. I don't recommend books to people. Uh, that's never been my style. Uh, there's reasons uh, for that. What I like to do is to take the the unique individual that's sitting before me, whether it's your child or whomever, and, and, and sculpt out a program for them. We do our mastermind program the same way, and we do have a structured program in our mastermind program. And that's part of what you're asking here. will give me a, a curriculum. And I, I don't know what would work well uh, for your children. I don't know your children. I don't know the dynamics of your marriage. Uh, I don't know how your husband is leading. Well, I don't even know if you're married, but if you are married, if your husband's leading uh, the environment of your home, uh, the, the, all, all of those things are important uh, when you are teaching children. And then you do need a good curriculum. We have used different curriculum curricula in our uh, homeschooling of our children. We've used uh, from secular to uh, biblical. But when it comes to biblical training, uh, we one of the things that we did when our kids were younger is we just taught them theology. Uh, we taught them systematic theology, and we did that uh, by teaching them words, words like omniscience, omnipotence, just teaching them those words in the way that we did it is we sketched it out, and I could go into a lot of detail here, but I want, but we, we drew sketches and, and pictures of, of these words and communicated these theological words to them, but it worked well for our family, and our children loved them. They really did love them, and they think fondly of it even today, and they can talk to you about some of the things that they learned then, and it began to build a foundation uh, in their home, in our home, for theology, and then, of course, we talk about the Bible, and we live a biblical life, and so our curriculum has been our life. It has been the Bible itself, learning the books of the Bible. It's been teaching them systematic theology, and so I don't know a curriculum. I I don't like using them or or using them in a way that I'm married to them and not comfortable recommending one for you because there's so much that I do not know. But I know other people don't share my opinion or my approach, and they probably have some curriculum that uh, uh, something that they use that they that they liked. And so that's probably not the answer that you're looking for. But we just did it. We did it that way. There's a pneumatic element to it, and so we wanted to teach our children the Bible. And then some of it is just measured also by their affection for the Lord. And one of the things that I've seen with some of our children, uh, not not every one of them, but uh, God has energized them to learn the Bible and motivated them to learn the Bible, and that's the greatest way, ultimately. We laid a foundation for them to want to love God, but as we've told them many times, it's not our religion that we want them to embrace. We want them to embrace God, a unique relationship with God, and they have to own it for themselves. And so we gave them the foundation. We gave them the outline. We gave them 
the marriage, the model of how relationships can look in the home biblically, and we laid all of that. That was all part of our curriculum, and we laid that out for them, and they have benefited from it. Are they theologians? Well, they're young, uh, but they'll continue to, my hope is they'll continue to grow with their affection for uh, God's Word and for His church, and so we gave them a clear path of of doing that. Chris asks, good day, sir. I read the article on telling someone your hidden sin. I was thinking of telling my pastor my hidden sin, which is a sin against my former church. I am new in the church. Letting him into my hidden sin will make me uncomfortable in the church. I need help. So I would just, um, I would say two things. One, thank you. Uh, You obviously have a heart of heart of humility, and I can tell from what you have written here and what you're asking, which way you're leaning. Uh, we're not static creatures. We're leaning one way or the other. We're either leaning into Jesus or we're leaning away, to Je- away from Jesus. And so when you're talking to a person, you want to know which way they are tilting, which way are they leaning. And so first thing I say to you, Chris, you're leaning into Jesus, and that's the most important thing of all, that you're moving in that direction. Nobody's standing still, never, ever, ever standing still, not spiritually, and it doesn't matter, lost or saved, uh, spiritually speaking. You're, you're either leaning toward hell or leaning toward heaven, you know, to put it in those terms, and you're moving, <laughs> you're moving in one direction or the other, and it's obvious here that you are moving in the right direction, and so I commend you for that. So that's thing number one. Thing number two, I would tell you to pump the brakes. And so while you're leaning and while you're moving in the right direction, I, w- I want to appeal to you to slow down and and use caution. What I'm looking for and in, in what you're saying here is a heart that wants to make all things right, and that is fantastic. But what you'll need to do now is you want to vet your relationships, and you're new to the church, and you don't know the church. Think about it like you you just went out on a date with someone. This is your first date, second date, third date. The idea is the same. You just don't reveal everything there is about you to that individual because that could prove to be problematic. So when I say that you want to vet the relationship, you want to get to know if you believe that past, the pastor in your church, your new church, is the person that you want to talk to, then you want to get to know that person. You don't have to tell your pastor. Yeah, I don't know the polity or the government of your church and how it's laid out. If you have the, you know, the baptistic model where you have the lead person versus a plurality model where there's an equality within the leadership, I, I don't, I don't know what your church is like and. I'm not saying that you have to talk to your pastor necessarily. It is important that you find at least one person who is more mature than you are, a little farther down the road than you are, uh, who has the competency and the courage to be able to speak into your life and the compassion. That's the person that you want to talk to. Whether it's your pastor, I don't know. And that's why I say two things. You're leaning in the right direction. Praise God. Keep keep moving toward heaven. Keep leaning into Jesus. Keep taking those steps and then pump the brakes at the same time. Because what you want to do is make sure that this person is trustworthy, to make make sure this person has a competence level 
that will be able to help you. Not everybody who is a pastor or everybody is a ministry leader, Sunday school teacher, small group leader, whatever, not all, all of them are not fully competent to be able to walk you through this. And so make sure along with the title that you're looking at, he is a pastor, that there is verified and affirmed competence that goes with that title, or you may end up sharing something and to your date that you will regret that you shared it. So I'm glad that you want to be humble and open, transparent and honest. Praise God. Just give it some time. If there is a big super sin issue against your former church that needs immediate reconciliation, maybe that's another thing. But if it's something that you you need, do need to talk about and work through, make sure you're make sure the person that you're talking to is trustworthy, has the competence to be able to help you and to walk you through it. So praise God for your heart attitude, Chris. Scott says, I would like to have a discussion regarding your articles. Well, that's an easy one. Uh, come on our website and uh, jump on our community forum. We actually have a, a, a forum that is for that. It is exactly for that. It's for content discussion. And so if you get on the free community forum and you'll see uh, different forum options, one forum option is content discussion. And so just say, hey, and this is what I would ask you to do. If you if it's an article that you read, Scott, copy the URL and drop it in the discussion so we'll know what you're talking about, what you're asking about, and we'd love to discuss it with you. So thank you, Scott. Amy says, today I was pondering what does it really mean in a practical way for God's strength to be made perfect in our weakness. How do I apply this truth to my weakness? How do I allow God's strength to be perfected in my weakness? And so these questions you're asking are somewhat uh, uh, somewhat uh, synonymous, and I'm going to link some articles here because I've written a good bit about that. And one of the things that you're talking about or asking about, Amy, is a theology of suffering, and it is a weakness within the Christian community without question. We don't understand suffering. We don't understand suffering in a practicalized way, which is what you're asking. You you want to under in fact you ask directly and specifically how what does it mean practically? Because people don't and the way that you know this is by how they respond to the adverse things in their lives. That they do not have a practical understanding of it. They'll understand it maybe, you know, as they talk about different characters in the Bible, Job and Joseph and Jesus and John and whatever other Jehu, whatever the J person, Josiah, you can think of, and, and and Paul and Peter and all the people that start with P's as well. And we and we can talk about that, but when it comes to doing that personally in our lives, is that it's, it's clear that they don't have an understanding of what... Um, what it means to be perfected uh, in your weakness. And so I have a link here of a video that I would love for you to, it's a short video, and I do this teaching as I go through 2 Corinthians. Uh, there's three key passages in 2 Corinthians that I would love for you to just spend some time meditating on. 
The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The second one is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And then the third one is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 10. And I walked through this in the video, and I would love for you to not only study the video, but also to read the articles that I have linked here in this podcast, in these show notes here, because it'll help you to walk through that. But one of them that I'll mention right now is 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and it's the juxtaposition. And this is the passage that you're familiar with, where Paul says that we have this treasure in jars of clay, and that's the juxtaposition. We have a treasure, and then we have a jar of clay. And, and they they seem antithetical. Well, they are antithetical. And so you have this beautiful, the way I like to describe it is that you have this gold-plated jewelry box. You have this gold-plated box, expensive, expensive. I, I'm sorry, I got, I got it all backwards. You have this uh, clay box, uh, a fragile clay pot, broken, re- recyclable, replaceable, cheap clay box. And then inside that box, what you have is jewelry and treasure, gold and and silver. And Paul says in that passage that we have this treasure in jars of clay. And it, it looks weird. It really does look weird to put all your nice stuff in this jar of clay. But he tells us in that verse why it is so. He says, so that we know that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And and so when people see strength in you in a jar of clay, it's very clear as to where that strength comes from. It, it comes from God, not from us, because it's so obvious. But the problem is, is that we don't, in order for that to happen, we have to be weak. We have to come to a place of brokenness and weakness in our life because it's only in our weakness that God's strength can be perfected. And we don't like weakness. We don't like adversity. We don't like suffering. I don't. And I don't know anybody else that likes it either. And so sometimes God brings us to a place of despair and hopelessness and weakness and brings us to those places to where we can't figure it out, work it out, fix it, change it. And he does that intentionally. Joseph is the classic story, as, as he told us in 5020. He meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God was working out something here so that uh, he could do something profound. Of course, the, the ultimate message of this that I'm describing here is the gospel, the weakness of Christ dying there on a tree on, Calvary, on Golgotha's hill. It looked foolish. It looked weak, but it was God's wisdom. It was God's strength. And so having a sound theology of suffering is critical, specifically in this area of understanding that we have to assume the position of weakness so that God's power can be perfected through us. And of course, the passage in this video that I have linked here that you can watch, it's a short video, is 2 Corinthians 12. And this is where Paul was very, very clear uh, that God is doing this thing, giving me a thorn in the flesh to weaken me, to weaken me on purpose so that his strength could be perfected in me, as Paul would say, and that's where he found he found contentment. And so one of the ways to answer your question in a practical way uh, for God's strength to be made perfect in our weakness, how do I apply this 
truth to my weaknesses is that when you are in your weakness, when you're in that moment of weakness, one of the things that you want to do is is to begin to assess and examine how you are responding to that adverse adverse situation. How are you responding to it? Are you trying to overcome it by your own strength and your own power, or are you learning how to find a contentment in God, potentially in an unchangeable situation? And so, Amy, I want you to continue to, you know, as you think about this, I want you to study that video that's here and also uh, to read a couple of these articles, and it will help you. And then, as always, I want you to jump on our on our website. Leslie asks, is there a list of Nuthetic counselors available to counsel in South Carolina? Leslie, if you go on our counseling page, there is a link about midway down where you can click on it, and it will take you to the ACBC page. And you could say, I'm not comfortable with the term Nuthetic counselor, uh, honestly. And so I, I trust what you're asking here is a biblical counselor. Uh, which is the term that you know I would use. Nuthetic is, at least in this area, it's not a, a good word, and in my counseling experience, uh, nuthetic is just... Uh, there have been a lot of... I'm trying to be careful here, but there's been a lot of nuthetic counselors who aren't great counselors, and they have hurt a lot of people. In fact, we used to... There's you know, in counseling among many folks, uh, the word NANC, which used to be the old acronym for ACBC, NANC was the National Association of Nuthetic Counselors, and NANC was a verb, meaning you NANC somebody. And uh, I'm a fellow with ACBC. I might not be anymore, but (laughs) I am as of this podcast. But when they were NANC in my bio, I would never have said that I was a fellow with the National Association of Nuthetic Counselors. And the reason is, is because so many people have been hurt by NANC counselors, Nuthetic counselors, that it, it, they began to map their horrific experience with Nuthetic counselors over me being a fellow with NANC. And so they wouldn't even talk to me, and I'm not, I'm not of that stripe of, of, of being a harsh counselor. And so when you ask for nuthetic counselors, I assume you mean biblical counselors. Yet I'm not trying to be unkind, but I also, I mean, I'm just trying to be real and honest with you as well. And it's true. And even today, we we get stories of people who have gone to maybe not nuthetic counselors that they would say, but they'd say biblical counselors. And some of us, we can do a poor job when it comes to soul care. And so, you, Leslie, is there a list of nuthetic counselors available in South Carolina? Yeah, go on our website and look under the counseling link in the drop-down in the, in the nav, the navigation bar. Look for the counseling link. Go halfway down in the page, and then you can type a zip code. You can type your zip code in and and you'll, you'll probably find, in South Carolina, I'm, I'm pretty confident you'll find a counselor that's near you. Jenny says, do you work with people who have signs of Alzheimer's? It would be nice to visit with you. I enjoy your emails, but have not read them for a while. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> I enjoy your emails, but I haven't read them in a while. Uh, thank you so much. That's okay. 
Nobody else does either. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was funny. I appreciate your honesty. I, I really do. That's great. Uh, I like honest people. Um, do you work with people who have signs of Alzheimer's? I don't do counseling anymore. It's exceptional that I do counseling, and it's because of the workload. I have a phenomenal workload, and so I don't meet with people one-on-one for counseling. I, I'm constantly meeting with people who are counseling, and so I'm in the counseling game all every day. I'm in the counseling game. Of course, I'm counseling myself, counseling my wife, counseling my children, my friends at my church. And so I'm doing counseling all the time, but in the way that you're asking, I'm not. And perhaps you can do what Leslie's asking here is just go on our counseling page and and just start uh, emailing folks and asking them that question. But thank you for asking, Jenny. And then Tim asks, he says, we're getting small groups together with teens. There are many unchurched participating. We have church teens with serious issues, sin issues in play. Questions. Is segregating the teens from parents a good idea? There is an adult present and leading in each small group. Some kids in the group do not yet know or embrace the gospel. Do you have any recommendations on how to lay something like this out? Are the groups best tailored for Christian kids? We need some help. Signed, Tim. Well, this is, I won't be able to get into all of this question because it's a whopper of a question, but thank you so much for asking Tim, I have written a lot on small groups, and so I would send you, uh, just type small group into the search box, and and that'll get you started. And again, as well, you can ask on our forum. Let me hit a couple of things. Uh, One of the things that you'll have to determine is uh, the philosophy of your church. What kind of church is it as far as how are you, is it a discipleship what I mean by is it a discipleship church versus an evangelistic type church? Now, both hopefully it's both, and I understand that. But I'm speaking of accent marks here. Some church are very evangelistic minded, and so they would amalgamate and they want to bring people in and they want to mix them up. And what we're talking about here are preferences. Uh, it doesn't have to be wrong to do this. And there are churches that do that, and so it's really a a mixture because they're they're very much into worldview, they're very much into missions, very much into evangelism, and so they just want to bring people in. And then there are other churches that are more they're tighter, uh, and and they keep it a little more closed, uh, and they're really into discipleship. Now again, we're into both, but I'm talking about accent marks here. So that that will determine because you won't your small group to mirror somewhat the philosophy and the general direction of the church. Now, you're asking about bringing kids from the world into kids. Uh, we're asking a couple of questions. Let me get to the parent question first. Should parents be present? Uh, that will depend because a lot of, unfortunately, a lot, parents don't do well parenting and their children don't want to talk with their their children don't want to talk with their parents anymore, and and that is really unfortunate. That has not been our experience. We, I, I don't believe in personally as as a husband as a dad of giving my children off to the youth leader and giving up my responsibility of being of being the youth leader. And so, in my view, I am the youth leader. I am youth leader number one, and then we have supplemental youth leaders, uh, which may be in the church or usually in in the church, who supplement me, the youth leader of of my children. So that's my view. 
And so I am against it. it. Was part of a church one time, and they don't have my view. And our children were, you know, four, five, six, seven years old. And I thought, well, there's going to come a day when they hit the teenage time, and this is going to be a real issue because I just don't have that view. We're not part of that church anymore. And that's part of it because I'm not giving up my children to a youth leader, and then I'm not allowed to be part of uh, the process. But we're very much hands-on and engaged with our children. We've always been that way uh, with them. But I also realize that that's somewhat of an anomaly. And and some kids, many kids, they don't want to be a part. And so part of that you're, will be answered by it's just not practical to put the parents and the kids together because it's oil and water, and that is really unfortunate. The other part that you'll have to work through is that if you bring kids from the world uh, in and you mix them with kids that you're that are part of all the other areas of your ministry, including the youth ministry, uh, you can have problems there. Uh, for example, if you have a 12-year-old kid who you know hasn't had the sex talk yet, and he's sitting alongside a 12-year-old kid who understood sex when he was five years old, and so you'll have an issue when you bring kids from the world that they will bring in ideas and questions and problems that can just be overwhelming for for your church kids. There's a lot more to talk about there, and we're out of time, but I, I would encourage you to read our small group articles on our website. And I do want you to come and talk about this because there's a ton to talk about it. Maybe I just need to devote an entire podcast uh, to the question that you're asking. Episode 246, Rick's, Rick answers your questions. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you.